0: We're a little bit odd. We're a little bit weird. But Jesus was a little bit odd as well. He didn't do what anyone expected him to do. But what he did was set this world free from our sins. And so I'm so thankful that I am able to not only attend but lead a crazy congregation like this. People who are nutty in love for Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, turn to your spouse and look at them and say, see, I've been telling you for a long time that it's okay to be crazy. It's okay to be crazy. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Today is Celebration Sunday for us. We're celebrating many things. Number one, we're We're celebrating the close of our fundraising drive that we've been involved in for the last uh, several weeks throughout the summertime. And we're celebrating the fact that summer will soon be over and everyone who's been on vacation will be returning. And just so that you'll know what my expectation is and what my faith level is, I went ahead and put out all the chairs that I could find out here. I don't know what we're going to do when we fill them all up. I really don't. We just have to blow out the back wall, I guess, and, and put chairs in the parking lot. I'm just not sure what we're going to do. But I do believe that when we get to that place that God will give us the answers that we need to fulfill the expansion that we're getting ready to experience. Amen. We st- You say, well, I see a few brown chairs. Yes, you do this morning, but we've got some people laying on beaches in Panama still and in the mountains and having a great time. So just think when everybody gets home, what a great group of people that we're going to have. So thank you for being a part of it. If you're visiting today, there should be a visitor's card right in front of you. Take one of those out, fill it out, put it in the offering plate or take it to the... Um, the desk that's in the foyer, so that we can have a record of your visit. For those of you who are not visiting and you normally come, welcome. We're glad to have you here today. I do want to mention that uh, this week I'd like for you to be in special prayer uh, for Geraldine. She's here this morning, or at least she was when I see her now. It's kind of hard. You know, when I look for Al, I always look for U of L apparel <laughs> because he's always wearing U of L. I mean, I, I think he takes showers in, in U of L Speedos. I really do. But he's not wearing U of L today. He's wearing a Spirit Life shirt. And his family was rejoicing. They said, we can't remember the last time we saw uh, Al in anything other than U of L. So I was looking for Al in the U of L and couldn't find Geraldine. But she is here sitting right beside him. Uh, her brother, her second brother, passed away uh, y- yesterday or the day before, uh, and in the last few weeks, she've, she's lost two of her younger brothers to cancer, and I just pray that you'll pray for her this week and undergird her and, and, and let the Lord know how much that you, you want her to experience peace and joy. So pray for them this week, if you will. I, I would appreciate it. Amen. So, are you in 2 Corinthians chapter 8? Are you there? Yeah. Alright. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. Just I'm reading from a new uh, uh, version of scripture that I've recently found uh, that I'm studying out of and using quite frequently. It's the Holman uh, Standard Bible, HCSB, and so if it sounds a little different than what you have, just bear with me. We'll bring it all together in just a few moments. This makes it very easy to understand. Chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God granted to the churches of Macedonia. That during a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. And I testify that on their own, according to their ability and beyond their ability... They begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves especially to the Lord than to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete this grace to you. Now, as you excel in everything, you excel in your faith, you excel in your speech, you excel in your knowledge, you excel in all diligence and in your love for us. Excel also in this grace. I'm not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Now I'm giving an opinion on this because it is profitable for you, who a year ago began not only to do something, but also to desire it. But now, finish the task as well, that just as there was eagerness to desire it, so there may also be a completion from what you have. For if the eagerness is there, it is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there may be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need, so their abundance may also become available for our need, so there may be equality. As it is written, the person who gathered much did not have too much, and the person who gathered little did not have too little. Now go to chapter 9 with me, if you will, and verse 6. He says, remember this, that the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace, say every grace, overflow to you. So that in every way, always having everything that you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he scattered and he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food, will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way, say in every way, for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service, Not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. And they will glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with others through the proof provided by this service. And they will have a deep affection for you in their prayers on your behalf because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Verse 15, thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. Father, thank you for your word. Now for several days I've been asking you to help me to be nice. Lord, I want to live in a season of niceness. I want to be able to share the word of God in a positive way that will cause people to want to jump at the opportunity that they have to be obedient to your word. Lord, I pray that you'll help my words to be helpful today and that you will allow us to not only celebrate what has been done, but also look with great anticipation to what yet needs to be done because you've not called us to get to a certain place and stop and wait. You've called us to turn this world upside down for Christ. My prayer is, is that the people in this community, High View, Hill View, Oklahoma, all the people in this area will talk about us and say those crazy people at Spirit Life Church are turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ, or to help us to be faithful to your call, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. praise the Lord. <clears throat> I've told you this before many times, I, <clears throat> I grew up in an old-time Holy Ghost tradition, tradition, where one of our favorite things to say was, holiness or hell, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that or not. Holiness or hell. And there were days that I thought I'd rather go to hell than be holy the way that they wanted me to be holy. Because it didn't sound like a good thing to me. I spent most of my life dreading church. spent most of my life frustrated with what I was experiencing in my church. Because I felt like that the gospel of Jesus Christ was supposed to be good news, and it is, but I was hearing very little about the good news. Over my lifetime, I have discovered that I am motivated more by positive words of instruction than I am by somebody taking a rubber mallet and hitting me in the back of the head in the name of Jesus. Anybody say amen to that? Because I've got, enough, I've got enough flesh in me. See, I'm watching my words. You notice that, see? I've got enough flesh in me that if somebody hits me in the back of the head with a mallet, I want to hit them back with two mallets rather than do what they're suggesting I ought to do. Now, that's just the rebellion that is in me, I guess, in my, in my flesh. But I have discovered that while there is a time for discipline and while there is a time for a rebuke from a brother in order that I might repent and walk away from my wrongdoing, I've discovered that for me personally I am much more willing to comply when someone is speaking to me in love. And so today I want To celebrate you and I want to celebrate the good things that you have been involved in I want to celebrate how God is using you I want to celebrate your obedience to the work of God that he has called us to do and the role that he has asked you to play in that I want to celebrate you I'm happy that you're here I love you God is blessing you abundantly and more abundantly, as you continue to walk in Him. So today, as I was looking at this passage of Scripture and reading it over the last several days, it just it, it dawned on me that, that Paul here was celebrating what had just taken place. Now let me give you some context. Here in 2 Corinthians, they had been raising money for another congregation that was in need. There was a a need that had taken place that came upon them unexpectedly, and so uh, the opportunity was presented that we have an opportunity to help this congregation and help them to get their feet on the ground. Now, you would have thought that Paul would have gone to all the rich people to ask them to help, but the people that were giving were poor. They had nothing at all to give. And what they did have, they probably, using human nature or wisdom, should have kept it. But instead, they were giving it away. In fact, they were coming to Paul regularly and saying, how can we help? What can we do? What what needs to be done? Uh, What kind of money is left that we need? They were coming with such intensity that Paul couldn't help but just say, man, I'm amazed at the obedience with which you are living. And in this context, he begins to say some things that I think are very important. The first thing that I want you to notice is that Paul celebrated their generosity. He celebrated it. First of all, in verse 2, he pointed out how selfless that they were. Notice verse 2 in chapter 8. Let me turn the page back and get there. Chapter 2 and, uh, excuse me, chapter 8, verse 2. He says, during a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. They were so poor, they couldn't rub two nickels together, and yet they were living every moment of every day in the spirit of joy. They were just as happy as could be. They, they, they weren't concerned, they weren't looking over their shoulders, they weren't trying to hoard everything that they had, they weren't trying to keep it away from anybody else. They were just overflowing, the scripture says, in joy and in generosity. And Paul said to them, I applaud that, I celebrate The fact that you have grown and matured in your faith, that you understand that it is not about what you accumulate here on this earth, but it's about the treasures that you lay up in heaven by your attitudes and by your actions. Use what you have for the glory of God. When Dr. Swank was here last week, I was reliving the story of spirit life and reliving where we were. And I told him the story about how that I was sitting out here on the deck and I was just complaining to God. Anybody ever complained to God? Can I see your hands? Three of you. Praise the Lord. I complained to God every now and then. And I was complaining, God, we don't have anything. God this, God that, God that. And he just spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard. And he said, use what you have. And I thought I had one up on him. And I said, that's just the point. We don't have diddly squat. And if you'll give us some, we'll use it. No, I'm not going to give you any more until you appropriately use what you already have. And that was the day when the young men came walking through the parking lot bouncing basketballs and he reminded me ever so gently that we had a huge gymnasium back there that was only being used twice a week, once on Sunday morning, once on Wednesday night. And wouldn't it be great if we could create some community happenings that would allow people to come in uh, to this church and be ministered to. And from that day till this... We have had kids ministered to, schools ministered to, Zumba shakers being ministered to on a regular basis, all for the glory of God. Yeah. You say, Well, but they're not a part of our church, bless God, and we're, what we're doing is a service. We are providing a service and a ministry to people who are in need. Let me, that, last night, we had to run kids out of the gymnasium. We weren't having an open gym night, but there were kids coming in with their basketballs ready to play ball. There was nobody there to help them. So you have to come back another night. God is giving us open door opportunities to minister to people in our community. But you have to be selfless to do that. So I honor you and I celebrate today the fact that you are willing to use what we have to get the gospel of Jesus Christ into the ears that need to hear it. Amen? Secondly, he celebrated them because they were sacrificial givers. Now listen, there are times in life we just have to give sacrificially. There are times that we have to take the $2 that we had that we were going to use to go to Chick-fil-A and get our ice cream cone and we have to give it to somebody else who's in greater need than we are. There are times that we just have to be sacrificial. There are times that we have to dig deep. There are times that we have to give of ourselves. You know, sometimes we think that sacrificing is only about money. But can I tell you that it's about what we give from our bodies and our talents and our abilities as well. We are getting ready to launch a new system in our children's ministries department. And Jonathan has been working very hard on this because what we, what we have discovered is is that our rotation is not working very well. I talked with Neil and Kelly. Uh, Neil, Kelly, you're not Kelly. Who are you? Leslie. Thank you very much. Neil is married to Leslie, not Kelly. Okay, I wanted to make sure that was right. They volunteer to watch our kids in the nursery. There are days that I don't even know if they've come to church because they've, all, they've been back in the nursery. And there have been seasons when they've had to be in the nursery week after week after week after week after week. After week. Now, they're not complaining. In fact, probably they'd rather be back there than in here because, they, you know, whatever. But, I'm, you know, the point is we've got a church full of people and we need some more people sacrificing their worship experience So that they can minister to children who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ So we're coming up with a new rotation We're coming up with a new way of doing things And we're going to be asking some of you if you will take a turn in that rotation I know some of you right now are thinking I may need to find me another church Well, I hate that I really do But I'm going to ask you anyway Because I can't be in the nursery and I can't be in the third grade class and I can't be down the hall, but we've got people who are gifted and talented who can help us to minister to these children. It may be the greatest gift that you give. Your service is even better at times than your money. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. And so we need your help. I can hear it now. I'm not going to help. Because some preacher way back then hurt my feelings. Oh, God, help me to be nice now, right now. (laughs) At what point do we intend to get over it? And say, God, you have given me the ability to do this. You've given me the ability to help. You've given me the ability to sit down in the floor and help some child understand who Jesus is and what Jesus can do in their lives. I celebrate those people who are doing that right now. I celebrate those people who are saying, if I need to give up a worship experience to go back and help with kids, I'll do that for the glory of God because there's going to come a day in my life when I may not be able to help these children back here understand who God is. And so, therefore, I'm going to give everything that I've got right now. You say, well, let those with kids do it. Well, why don't you just do it? Amen. Why don't you just help us? Why don't you just get up? Now, you say, I thought you were going to be nice and celebrate. I am. Because by faith, I'm believing that every individual that we ask to join in this rotation is going to say, I could not believe that you would have enough faith in me to ask me to be a part of this ministry. Absolutely, yes, pastor. I've been waiting for you to dial my neighbor number and call me and ask me to help. Absolutely, I'll do it. By faith, I believe we're going to have everyone that we need to launch this new thing. You say, well, you're nuts. Well, no, I'm not nuts. I'm full of faith. Amen. And I'm celebrating a bunch of people that want to see good things happen in the kingdom of God. He celebrated their sacrificial giving. Look at verse 3. said, I testify that on their own, according to their ability and beyond their ability. See? He said, well, I don't have that ability. Let me tell you, if you'll put your big foot in the water, God will give you the anointing that you need And it will supply everything that you need to fulfill the ministry that he is calling you to. Verse 3, I testify on their own ability, according to their ability and beyond. They begged us. They insisted for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. You know, there's going to come a day around here where people are going to be coming up and saying, Pete, please, pastor, please let me do that. Please let me do that. Did you know it's already happening? Did you know that there are people that come in here on Monday mornings and their sole responsibility is to get the mop and the mop bucket and every Monday morning they come down here and they've got mops and mop buckets and they're cleaning bathrooms and sweeping them up and they're, they're mopping with the mop lady is here. Every Monday morning gets here sometimes before I do. I went by the other day. I noticed that somebody was playing in our flower bed. I wonder what in the world are they doing Pokemon Go again? What is And I recognized that it was one of our people that was in the flower bed and they were pulling weeds in our flower bed. I just about ran off the road, Holy Ghost shouting while I was driving down through there. People, I told somebody this week, I said, you're doing too much. I said, you're going to have to take a break. You're just, you're going to wear yourself out. And they said to me, they said, I am here to be a blessing to you. And to take pressure off of you so that you can be doing what the pastor ought to be doing and I can do what I'm doing. I'm telling you we're coming into a season, church, where people are going to be running every which way saying, How in the world can I help? How in the world can I give? What can I do for the glory of God? I'm behind on my account in heaven and I need to lay some treasures up there. And so what can I do for the glory of God? He celebrated them. They gave sacrificially. Verse 4, they they were seekers, and I just covered that. They were looking. Not only did he celebrate their generosity, but he encouraged their giving. There were some people who had not yet caught the vision of what generosity looks like. And look, in verse 7, he tells them, he says, Now, as you excel in everything... Your faith, your speech, your knowledge in all diligence and in your love for us excel also in this grace. He's saying, Look, you're already people of faith, you already know how to believe God for the big things. Said, you're already excelling in your knowledge of the things of the kingdom. You're already there. You understand not only the basics, but you understand what it is to be a mature child of God. You're already there. You're excelling in that area of your life. You're excelling in your diligence. You're excelling. You're 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 faithful. You're committed. You can be counted on. You're diligent in the things that you're doing in in the kingdom. And in your love. They loved everyone. They loved Paul. They loved Timothy. They loved everyone. Man, that's the thing I love most about our church. You guys love everybody. I've had people come to me and say, I'm not sure that I'd fit in your church. I said, listen, we got all kinds in our church. Let me tell you, well, but you don't know what I've done. I said, listen, there are some things that I don't even want to know what our people have done. Don't come tell me. We got to a place in our relationship with Jonathan and Aaron where they'd start telling us things that they did when they were in college. I stopped and I said, listen, I don't want to know. I I would rather see you the way that I have created you in my mind. That may not be the way it is, but I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I've told you about both of them. They, you know, they gave me some phone calls in the middle of the night where they knew they they were seven hours away from me and I couldn't smack them around. But I didn't want to know. There are some things about you I don't want to know. Don't come up here and tell me your stuff. I don't want to know because then I'll have to pray for you in a different way than I'm praying for you now. My mom used to pray for me when I was drinking alcohol somebody was saying something about beer today and they said well you can get a beer and I said no, I can't do that I said because if I get one beer I will have two and if I have two I will have four and if I have four I'm losing my ministerial credentials because I'm this is not going to be good. You know When I was in that stage of my life, my mom, oh God, the next time he even smells alcohol, will you allow him to retch from the deepest depths of his soul and his body and throw up all over everything and God embarrass him and cause him to do things that will cause people to look at him and say, you're a stupid idiot is what you are. I mean, she prayed for me that way get him, God, get him, God, get him, God. She'd come to church and get all these little rags anointed with oil and bring them home and put them in my britches' pockets and underneath the, 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 the sheets and in my pillowcases and between the mattresses. I mean, everywhere you could turn upside down and look. There was a holy little rag there that had a dab of oil right in the middle. I'm telling you. I don't want to know all that stuff. But he's saying to them, you're excelling in those things. You're excelling in your faith. You're excelling in your knowledge. You're excelling in your diligence. You're excelling, but the one thing that you're not excelling in is your generosity and your giving. And he said, let me encourage you to add that to the list because that one thing is preventing you from living in the fullness of God's blessings. I just hold that thought, because I'm going to show you why that's true in just a few moments. But he said, excel in everything, and then verses 12 through 15, he says, give equally. Now let me explain to you what that means, because I know that some of you are thinking, "Oh Lord, we've got some people in this church that make a lot of money. They got houses, they got land, they got the big bucks, and if I have to give equally with them," I can't do it. That's not what he's saying here. He's not talking about equal giving. He's talking about equal sacrifice. You see, that's the reason that the tithe is so important because 10% for you may be different than 10% for me. If I'm making $20 million a year, my tithe is very different from those who are making $20 a day. But the 10%, equalizes everything. And so when we come to a place of honest trust in the Lord and say, Lord, I can give equally. I can give not only money, but if if you need an hour of my time, I can give an hour of my time. The scripture is talking here about giving equally is what he's saying, verses 12 through 15. Look at it with me. For if the eagerness is there, It is acceptable according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. God doesn't expect you to give something that you don't have. He just doesn't. It is not so that there might be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for the need so their abundance may also become available for our need, so there may be equality. For as it has been written, the person who gathered much did not have too much, and the person who gathered little did not have too little equality. And then here's a principle that I really want to make sure that you get today, and it is the principle of finishing strong. Go back to verse 6, if you will, and, and, uh, or go over to verse 6. It says, remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Excuse me, chapter 8, verse 6. Go back. Go back to that. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete this grace in you. Finishing strong. Now go over to chapter 9. And verses 8 and 11. Now, excuse me. Stay in chapter 8. It's not in my computer the way that it should be, but it's in my head. I'm not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others. I'm testing the genuineness of your love, for you know the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Now I'm giving an opinion on this because it is profitable for you, who a year ago, say a year ago, ago. began, say began, not only to do something, but also to begin to desire it. Verse 11, but now finish the task. Look at your neighbor and say, finish the task. That just as there was eagerness to desire it, so there may also be a completion from what you have. He's saying a year ago, you got excited about this. A year ago, you thought this was the grandest thing that you could do and be involved with, but six weeks later, you forgot all about it and then you ceased to do what you needed to do to keep going. Now, let me say to you, I think, in my opinion, as a pastor, and I've pastored a lot of years, one of the greatest problems that all churches have, not just ours, but all churches, is that people get motivated and excited and they leave this house and they say, I am a changed individual. I have been changed by the power of God. My life will be different from this day forward. And six days later, you can't even find them on the planet because they've slipped back into their old ways of living because they will not discipline themselves to do what God had motivated them to do by the Spirit. It, it, we, we have a phenomenon in the church, all churches now, all churches, It's what I call the health club phenomenon. Because every December, everybody decides, I'm going to the gym this year. Bless God. I am going to exercise. And all of this is coming off in the name of Jesus. And so we go down to Planet Fitness or wherever it is we go What's the best deal you can give me? We'll give you the black because that way after you exercise, you can lay down on the massage tables and it'll make you feel good. It'll relax you. It'll make you go home feeling like, man, I can't wait to come back. But you know what happens to me? I like the massage table so much that I forget to lift the weights and I forget to get on the treadmills and I forget to do the step exercises and I just go in and say, do we have a massage bed available? You know, I'm trying to lose all this weight and just give me an extra time on it and and I've lost my motivation. I had it at one point. I was going to do it at one point. I was sincere at one point. But I lost my motivation and because I lost my motivation, I'm no longer doing it. How many times have we in a good Holy Ghost hold down service had somebody spit in our face right between the eyes, take their holy hands and wipe it all over our face, mess our hair up, throw us in the floor, put a rag over the top of us and say, you've got the victory. And when we're done, we get the rag off of us, we fold it up, we wipe the oil off of our face, we get that disinfectant stuff and wipe it all over our face and we're ready to go. But we don't do anything any different than we ever did before. We don't read the Word. When we do read the Word, we don't do what the Word tells us to do. And we started, but we did not finish. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I didn't expect anybody to shout today, but I didn't expect you to get this quiet either. You know what it is? You slept in a half hour later today, and you can't get yourself going is what it is. Every year in the church, January, we have new tithers start tithing and start giving. And we have to put their names in the computer and get them all set up so that their tithe will come in, and the next week, their tithe comes in, and the next week, their tithe comes in, and the next week, their tithe comes in, and then February comes, and they love February, and they love their money, so half their tithe comes in, and then half their tithe comes in, and half their tithe comes in, and then March comes, and the flowers are so beautiful, I need to buy some flowers, and so a quarter of their tithe comes in, and a quarter of their tithe comes in, and a quarter of their tithe comes in, and then April comes, and by then it's like, well, they don't need our money anyway. Pastors all the time talking about how blessed that we are. But listen, it's not about giving it to the church. It's about returning to God what God is asking you to do so that faith can be energized in you and he can begin to overflow grace into your life. Let me tell you something. If you're blessed now, you just wait till you start tithing and giving. I'm telling you, you'll be so blessed your shoes will blow off your toes because God is going to pour blessings into you that you didn't even know were available. Why? Because you're being obedient to the Word of God, and so He said, "Finish strong." And then I'm getting ready to quit. Say, "Praise the Lord!" So I always love it when He quits talking about money. Come, start playing, so I get motivated to go. I'm Pentecostal. I got to have motivation to do everything I do. Finally, Paul talked like that because it was going to benefit them. He identified the reward that is about to come to them. Notice, in in chapter 9 now, verses 6 through 8, watch this. Remember this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and the person who sows generously will also reap generously each person should do as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly not out of necessity God loves a cheerful giver now I want you to stay with me here for just a moment because this is extremely important we sometimes forget this He said, and God is able to make every grace. Say every grace. Every grace. See, that word every there takes the limitations off. God will bless givers with money, but God will also bless givers with every grace. You need healing in your bodies? every grace Do you have people in your families that are lost and unsaved every grace you have people in your life that are addicted to behaviors and substances man have you heard the news this week here in Louisville all the many overdoses that we're seeing because of the heroin that has been laced with different things The scripture says that for those who are generous givers, God will provide every grace to them. And he will make it overflow so that in every way, say every way, always, say always, having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Now, what does that mean? Overflowing grace. Grace is that anointing, that assistance, that empowerment that comes from the hand of God. It's supernatural. It's not in the realm of the natural. If God uses the natural, it's because the natural has been supernaturally anointed. If God uses a doctor to help bring healing in your bodies, it's because his natural giftings were provided him by a supernatural God. And when he puts his natural hands on you, they are turned supernatural by the power of God. I told you when... Donna was in the hospital in the Cleveland Clinic and having the arrhythmia problems, and she had the number one and the number two rated physician surgeons in the world. They knew what they were doing. But before they took my wife back for surgery, I said, Wait just a minute, sir. I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) Pray for me. I'm the world's greatest surgeon. Now, he didn't say that, but I could tell by the look on his face that that's right. And he said to me, he said, shouldn't you be praying for my wife? I said, oh, we've got people all over the world praying for her, but I'm praying for you, because when you put your hands on my wife, you are representing God uh, to her. When you put your natural mitts on my wife, they're going to be amazed uh, You're going to be amazed by what you're able to do. I said, that's what I'm praying for. That when you come out of that operating room, that you'll say, that's the best I've ever done in my life. I've never had surgery that good. It's never been that good. And he just looked at me like I was crazy nuts you know what? When your loved one is in need and when you need God to move on your behalf, you don't care what people think about you. You don't care if they think that you're nuts or not. They, they'll look at you and say, you pay tithe? You give 10% to your church? Why are you out of your mind? No, I'm not out of my mind. I'm out of this world. Amen. Because my <laughs> obedience is releasing supernatural blessings into my life every grace and in every way. Man, if that doesn't pump you up, I don't know what will. Verses 9, or chapter 9, verse 8, look at it. Always having everything you need. If I'm not mistaken, the King James says something like this. Having all sufficiency at all times you know what that word sufficiency means in the Greek it means you'll always have just enough for the need that you have and you'll be happy with it the same Greek word that he uses to say sufficient is the same word that they use in the Greek language for contentment you will be content you will look at what you have and not only will it be sufficient but you'll be happy with it if I'd have just married me a different person if I'd have just married me one of those models beautiful woman if I'd have just married me one of those. If you'd have married you one of those in order to keep her, you'd have had to spend three hours a day on the treadmill. You'd have had to go like this 14 hours a day to get you a six-pack right here so that you could keep her in the first place. Let me tell you something. I am more delighted with that woman than I have ever been in my life. I don't need a model. She is my model. I don't need somebody who's famous. She is famous. When you start serving God this way, when you start living in faith this way, let me tell you, God will always make sure that you have more than enough sufficient resources and you will look at those resources and give glory to God and be be content with what you have. Oh, we don't teach that in America. Well, if I can't, if I can't have what my neighbor has and if I can't have what the Joneses have and if I can't have a church like Rod Parsley has and if I can't preach like T.D. Jakes and if I, can't, if I can't speak like Joyce Myers and if I can't this and if I can't that. Listen, I don't want none of that. All I want is to be who God has called me to be and operating in the anointing that he has blessed me with so that I can hear him one day say, well done, Rob Baker. You are faithful over a few things now. Enter into the glories that I have prepared for you. It took me a while, but I'm getting ready to preach now here. And then the final thing I want to tell you is that when we really get this in our spirit, it will cease to be about how much we have. It will cease to be about what? We own and what we possess, and it will become about how we can bless others. Because you see, He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. He hasn't blessed this church just so that we can be proud. I remember. I remember six years ago when Earlene walked into my office and said, Pastor, I got bad news for you. And I thought, really? Six years ago, really? She said, we got $12,000 worth of bills that are due today. I said, how much money we got? She said, that's the bad news. None. We don't have any. I laughed I said, like, come on we, we got to have a couple of bucks No we don't have any money at all And you know the story If you've been here very long at all You've heard me tell it a million times But I get amazed by it every time An hour later Somebody walks into the office Or downstairs and wants to see me And they come up to the office And introduce themselves And said are you Pastor Baker I am The Holy Ghost woke me up early this morning and told me to bring this to you and put an envelope in my hand. And when he left, I thought, okay, a couple hundred bucks, if I owe oh, me of little faith. Have you ever done that? Has God ever delivered a miracle right before your very eyes and you couldn't see the miraculous outcome that was about to happen? A couple hundred bucks, open that thing up. 12 $1,000 checks totaling $12,000 to pay 12,000 bills that we didn't have. Don't you tell me that God's not able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to His power that works in us. He is more than able. And I remember coming to you that very next service and I said, if this sin's No other message to you, at least it should let you know that God is not finished with us yet. He could have let us die today. He could have let us fade into the background. But God said, I will not let my people drown in this. I'm going to send them life-giving water. And let me tell you something. If God is able and willing to do that in this church, he is willing to do it for you. Hallelujah. Oh, but pastor, I have fought this battle for so long and I just keep going down and and deeper and I don't think I can ever call my way back up. Listen, you won't have to call your way up. You get into faith with God, and God will remove the dirt. He will remove the obstacles. He remove the water so that you can drive. To, you, you don't know how long I've been like this. I don't care how long you've been that way. One word from the master can cause the sea billows to calm. All he has to do is say, peace, 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 be still. Hey, preacher, you're getting beside yourself now. No, I'm, I'm celebrating. I mean, this, this is celebration day. I'm celebrating some things by sight, and I'm celebrating other things uh, by faith. But either way, I'm putting you on notice. I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating because your unsaved loved ones are going to get saved. I'm celebrating because those in your family that need Jesus are going to find Him, and bodies that are sick and broken are going to be healed by the power of God. And men and women who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and other things, sexual things and porn and whatever, they're going to find their way to freedom because of the power of God. He says. I'm going to pour every grace out so that it overflows you. You're not just going to get barely by. God's grace and God's blessings are going to overflow to you. Oh, my goodness. Verse 10. Now the one who provides seed for the sower, bread for food, will provide. Say, will provide. And multiply. Say, multiply. Boy, I'd make a good song. Will provide and multiply your seed. And he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched, say enriched. In every way, say in every way. For all generosity. Every time that you are generous with someone else. God is going to load up your wagon again and send it your way. Man, I'd like to quit preaching, but I'm not done yet. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. They, who? The ones that you are generous with, the church that you are generous with, the neighbor that lives next door to you that you are generous with, your sons and your daughters and your family. If you're generous, if you're generous, he will multiply and overflow and they will glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with others through the proof provided by this service. How many of you have ever line danced? Can I see your hands? A few more hands needed to go up right about then. You remember when line dancing was popular? So, I don't even know what it is. Yeah, you do. Is it still popular? Really? Oh, dear Lord. I haven't been living. Now, I know that I've been your pastor long enough that you know that I'm an excellent dancer. I know that you know that. I dance here all day long. And you'd be, you'd be thrilled to just sit here all day long. Watch me dance. But it's a whole lot more fun when you got company. Come on, Bill. Come on, Daryl. Keith. Benfield. Puppy Chow. Come on. Neil. Come on. He heard me, but he's going to miss his blessing. That's okay. You coming too? Come on. Come on. Yeah, on the count of three, we're going to go right and then left. Right and then left. Yeah, one, two, three, four. And isn't it more fun when more people are dead. I thought I asked you to come up here, Neil. You sure? <laughs> You're positive. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four, five. Here's the point. You can be seated now. And, and Greg, you only get half a blessing because you hesitated. Here's the point. <clears throat> when God blesses you, he blesses you so that it will overflow to people around you. And when you bless them in that way, the scripture says that they will come to you and they'll say, oh, I'm so thankful for the word that you spoke into my life. I'm so grateful for the ministry of grace that you provided for me. I'm so thankful that you loved me when I felt unlovable. I'm so thankful that you hugged me when I felt like nobody was willing to hug me. I'm so thankful that you thought of me when no one else was thinking of me because when you are blessed uh, and you bless others, uh, then the intensity of praise uh, and worship rises throughout the earth and from the rising of the sun uh, until the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. Will you stand with me if you-